Hi, and welcome to Pacifim Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, that it will both challenge and inspire you. Uh, Pastor Steve Kennedy, who, who knows Pastor Steve Kennedy? Oh, a few, a few do know you. And, and the deal is, um, I think the lady in the back corner used to go to your church. Julie Johnson. I want to apologise in advance uh, for what he did in the past. No, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, so here's the deal. We actually met Steve's mother way before we knew Steve. And yeah, I, I know. She's so used to answering who, what's their name again? Uh, Mrs. Billy Kennedy, who when we were pioneering up in Mariba, came through a district and actually came and uh, ministered for us was quite dramatic. And then we keep bumping into each other. I think the last time we saw her was at uh, Yapoon. Was it Yapoon? No, no, it was which Sundays, yeah, at uh, Ellie Beach. And who's still doing ministry. Is she still getting around doing stuff? Yeah. She's an amazing, she is. And, and this is one of my biggest fears of our movement, that there's so many legends so many incredible stories of what people have done for the gospel that we might lose it. That, but, but Billy Kennedy is one of those legends of our movement. I hope we never forget what she and others like her here have done for us. It's just amazing when you hear their stories. Well, as the Bible tells us that there's something of the faith of the grandparents and of the parents that flows through the line, and that certainly landed on Steve. I remember my first state conference was in 1990 and he was already involved in leadership. He was involved in Youth Alive. He was assistant pastor to one of the great dynamic leaders of our movement, Steve Penny in Woodridge. And, and then went to, because I used to live down the road and used to watch they're building this strange box on the hill, uh, on a swamp. And, and then, of course, Steve has served on our state executive I think under John Lewis, under Wayne Alcorn, and, and under um, the last fellow just left, John Hunt, my mate John. Um, and so I want us to stand and welcome because he, he genuinely is. Now, uh, you know, if you know him, you know he's got this really strange sense of humour. And so I just ask you to laugh if he tells a joke, okay, just to make him feel good. But the deal is, I want us to stand and honour him as he brings the word for us today. He's a is an integral part of our movement over recent decades. And don't be fooled, he, he may look only the same age as me, but he is much older. He's been around such a long time. <laughs> so can we stand and welcome him as he brings the word this morning? Thank you, Pastor Steve. Thank you. Righto. Thank you to the worship team. Why don't we give them a good hand? What a great job they did. Excellent. Excellent. What a good bunch you are. Look at you. Good looking people. There must be a church for ugly people in town somewhere. There has to be because look at you lot. Fantastic. Great job, Pete. Absolutely brilliant. I've got a son's a drummer. And uh, Julie, it's good to see you. Sitting with your sisters? Yeah? Yeah, you, your two sisters? Yeah? I just made a friend of the one in the middle. <laughs> I got a text, um, I got a text, Pastor Dennis, from my mother uh, about 15 minutes ago. 
And uh, she texts me every single Sunday morning. I can show it to you. It's uh, verified. Susie, am I telling the truth? Every single Sunday morning. She's 95 years old and um, still catches the bus to the shop. <laughs> and uh, she is one, uh, she's a terrifying person. There's no doubt about that. So uh, she tells me, she said she preached here um, 100 years ago or something. <laughs> so she's preached here. And because uh, I took a photo of, of us four in the front row. And you had your eyes shut, so, uh, and she texted me, oh, yeah, I've preached there, so that's cool. So here we go. Susie, stand up for a moment. What, what, what do you want to dance? You want to stand? What do you want to? Just, this is my wife, Susie. Um, we're married. Um, I'll just talk for two minutes. It'll give you give an opportunity to decide whether you like me. I already like you, so that's decided. But I'll give you the, um, we're married 44 years this year. And um, I, so I was talking to Pastor Dennis, and uh, I mentioned, um, it was actually my, our 44th wedding anniversary um, when I called. And Pastor Dennis said that he and Joan have also been married 44 years. Next week, they'll be 45. So they're a, a few months out of us. But yeah, that's pretty cool. We have four kids. And um, Susie has five. <laughs> Her oldest son is 62. <laughs> Come on, all the wives said, yeah, we know what you're talking about. And, uh, but we have a daughter, 40. And... Um, She's married to a guy we don't like much. And uh, <laughs> uh, then we have a daughter, uh, 37. Um, don't think much of her husband either. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> and uh, then we have another daughter, 34, married to a Kiwi. So he's, he's not even in the circle of trust, that guy. <laughs> and then we have a son with a beautiful wife. <laughs> the, the other Mrs. Kennedy in the family. And he's 29. So what do the kids do? The oldest girl, by training, is a nurse but pastoring a church with a husband. Um, second daughter's a high school teacher, history English, and um, she's the kids' pastor um, at uh, Pastor Wayne Alcorn's church right now. And, um, and then we have a daughter who works for HR with TAFE Colleges, and, uh, and our son's an electrician with Chubb. And uh, so that's what the kids do. I was a boilermaker. Yeah, so I'm the silliest person in the whole family. And I used to uh, fix uh, ships. That's what I used to do. And before that, I was a cook. And at the Tower Mill Motor in Brisbane, an apprentice chef. And before that, I sold shoes when Queen Street was a street um, in a shop called Shirley Shoes. And I used to watch rock and old George go up the street. And uh, so that's it. That's it. Um, we better preach, eh? Uh, I have got, I believe, a word of God for you. And um, it's called What Happens When I Pray. And, um, you know, let, let's get some real um, courage and so let's just get this clear when um just so you know how the how I'm going to preach to you today when a kid's under 12 you tell them what to do and they sort of do it you know like we got a son he's 29 now but when he didn't we love it when he was a kid you know Andy get your feet off the chair instant response you know but then they hit 12 and um, I don't know, Jared, someone in the education sends them a book because they change instantly, don't they? Hey, get your feet off the chair. Why? <laughs> Where do they come from? Because I'm your, I, I told you. Why? I'm your father. Why? I married your mother. Why? I've asked that a few times, my friend. <laughs> and so... I'm not sure, Pastor Dennis, that um, guys in our position 
should be just telling people what to do. You, you know, that, that doesn't work too much. But what, what I'd like to do is, is rather take the demeanour of show you what would happen if you did it, you know. I'm old enough now to understand what happens when I eat broccoli. Yeah, I used to just have to eat it, but now I sort of understand what happens when I eat it. So um, let's talk about what happens uh, when we pray. I want to be real deliberate about what we share. I've got a, I've got a, cup, a lot to get through, so um, we'll deal with that as we go. Now, now the lesson that we're going to do today comes from the life of Christ, so straight up, we're going to have to say a few things about that. Because if I'm going to tell you that we're going to, you need to pray, and Jesus is going to teach us how, you think, nah, because he's, that's like saying play golf like Tiger Woods, you know. And so we need to give you some context for the lesson, um, if we can. Now, we've got our, our pastor, um, I'm talking to Jane now, not you, Dennis, the smart one in the family. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Um, people meet Susie, oh, is this your, 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 your better half? No, mate, this is my better 98%. <laughs> and uh, so, um, so if I err, uh, Pastor Jane, theologically, you feel free to stand up and they'll know. So if you stay seated, we're going we're gonna to be able to at least... I'm not saying you shouldn't study it for yourself, but we haven't got time to study it today, so we're just going to go from the read from the pastor. So here's the thing. The Bible presents Jesus as one... 100% God. Pastor Jane's happy with that. But here's the dichotomy. Here's the dilemma. The Bible presents Jesus as 100% a man. All right? So we understand the theory of it. But that's the theology of it. So here's the thing. The lesson I want to talk to you about today, about what would happen when you pray, we're not taking it from Jesus, the Son of God. Because that would be like, he's got an express pass. You know what I mean? He's like platinum and we're bronze, if you're a Qantas flyer type of thing. You know? He's got the, the all-access pass. We're in the line. We're going to take the lesson from Jesus of Nazareth. You understand what I've just done? Let me illustrate it this way. I'm Steve. I am 100% a husband. And yet, I'm 100% a father. There are times when I manifest, like display, as 100% a husband. Like, I'm thinking, remember we went to the Caribbean, the Caribbean, depending on how you say that. Went on a cruise for our 30th, 35th wedding anniversary, um, one of those. I packed a gold chain, <laughs> speedos, and no pictures of my children. Because for six days, I don't care if the Martians abduct them. I am going to express myself... As a husband, didn't call them once. <laughs> we left dishes of food for them and uh, all good. For six days, I'm going to be a husband on a cruise boat in the Caribbean. Is that cool? But I'm, but I'm Steve. That's just how I'm expressing. 
Then there's Saturday mornings when my son was at home playing soccer. You ever met that guy? Yeah, that's me. I'm the reason that, that, that they put the orange jerseys on people and they're the only ones allowed to talk because of people like me because on a Saturday morning, I'm expressing not as a husband. Oh, come on, Andy! That's my boy! Yeah, go on! Oh, Rep, are you stupid? <laughs> and all the other ladies in the stand are all looking at each other and one by one they're going, not mine! Till there's only one woman left. And they're all looking at Susie and she just says, he's that boy's father. <laughs> you get it? I am not a husband today. I am that boy's father. But I'm Steve. Now, forgive me for taking the long route around that block, but I want you to catch this lesson. We, we can preach a sermon and we just think, yeah, oh, that's, that's just for the super people or that's for someone else. Jesus taught us in Matthew 6. He said, I want to teach you how to pray. So the lesson that we're doing, yes, Jesus is God, no doubt about it. And we celebrate communion because of the truth of his lordship and the fact that sin was on him but not in him. But the lesson about prayer where... A human between the heavens and the high heaven. There's that spiritual activity that, that we have to cut through by faith to reach God's answer for the situation that we're in. Humans, we, we get to do that. And Jesus of Nazareth, displaying himself totally as a human, Cuts through that to show us how to do it. That's our lesson. It would be good to note as well, just for context, because I know, we, we, I'm not saying that we're nasty to do this, Pastor Dennis, but, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. I tell you your problem, oh, yeah, that's nothing, because i got a bigger one. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's all right for you. you got your answer, but you don't know about what I'm going through. All of what we're going to learn today happens within a 24-hour window before Jesus is brutally murdered. Now, I want to just be clear. From God's point of view, he was not murdered. He laid down his life. But the people that did it rightly could be charged with murder. Their intent was murder. They just didn't realise who they were dealing with. Remember when he said to Pilate, Pilate said, Don't you know I could take you free? Yeah, good boy, good boy. <laughs> you have no power except the power my father gives you, but it's all right, little man. It's not your fault, it's their fault. It's all good. So he was not murdered, and yet they murdered him. It's a dichotomy. So everything we're going to talk about is in... It's, it's a challenge. I know we're talking... Is it Miller? And we've got to continue to pray for this... this you know, little child, but uh, the challenge we're talking about with Jesus Christ, um, with the whipping and the beating and the spitting on and, you know, the, the drag and the cross through the street and dropping it after being nailed, dropping it into a one-metre hole and, um, you know, oh, careful, careful, we don't want to hurt him. No, no, they just picked it up and bang, it dropped and tore him to bits. He knows it's going to happen. And our lesson comes 
in that context. What he did when he had that challenge going on was he wanted to say, I need to prioritize. There are things that need to happen when you're going through a challenge. So if Christ is our example, what he did was we need to get away and we need to pray. Are we, so we're good. That's the, that's the setup. Now what I want to do, Pastor, is I want to read the scriptures of the story. Now, not every story of the Gospels is in all four of the Gospels. Um, but some are because of their immense importance. And this story is in all four. But rather than read it in all four, I'm going to start it. We'll see, we'll see if this works. We'll start it in Matthew. We'll, you know, like a relay race, we'll transition and give it to Luke, uh, Mark, sorry, and then we'll give it to Luke and we'll let John bring it home. And you, you can find it in the Word. You can read all four accounts, and, um, but we'll put it together, dovetail it. Is that, Pete, well, you're in, joiner, good, here we go. Um, Matthew 26 Verse 36, this is where we start, and we'll put this on the screen for you. It says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. So I've told you why. He knows what's coming. He said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. That's the subject. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. Now we'll give it to Mark. Let him continue. Uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 33. So here's the dovetail. He took Peter, James, and John. So we read that. Is that cool? And he became, now this is important. I don't want to interrupt myself too much, but you've got to catch this bit. He became deeply troubled and distressed. Remember how I took the time to tell you we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth? So I don't want you to read this sometime and think, flippin' heck. What do I want to serve a God that's confused for? Are you hearing me? You've got to understand the dichotomy. There's the husband, Steve. There's the father, Steve. There's Jesus, son of God. There's Jesus, the boy from Nazareth that did an apprenticeship with his dad as a carpenter. This is who we're talking about here. You're not hearing anyone more human. He is... Are you feeling more comfortable about God now? You, you think he doesn't know what you're going through? He is deeply troubled. He is deeply distressed. Not only that, he wants to, he's bringing some friends. Can you come with me? Can you come with me? Yeah, I can't come. I'm bringing up with friends and I can't get on to them. He takes three friends from his connect group. Peter, James and John. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Pastor Dennis, this is an incredible um, scene here. We've got somebody who from before the foundation of the world, figuratively, was slain. He was prophesied from Genesis 3 after the first sin that, that this would, would happen. So for 4,000 years of human history, every single prophet has talked about his mission. He even said while he walked on the planet, for this cause I have come. 
And yet he is in such distress, he's now starting to wonder, do I want to do this? He knows where you're at. Don't you worry about that. He prayed if it were possible that the awful hour awaiting him might pass. Abba! That, that is a Greek word. And the best way to illustrate what this word Abba means is to tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean, oh God. It is utterly not formal. It is like, Dad! Abba, Father, he cried, everything is possible for you. Look what the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, look what he's asking God to do. Abort the mission. Everything is possible for you. Please take this away from me. But have a look at this last sentence here. It says, yet I want your will to be done. Not mine. Now let's hand it to Luke and let him continue. Chapter 22, verse 43. You need to know verse 42. I'll read 42 for you just to give you the dove's tail. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. That was the last verse we read in Mark. Now look at the next verse here in Luke, verse 4. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently. And you used the term, Pastor Dennis, we've been praying hard. That's a great description of that word fervently. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah. Have you ever had your kids say grace and you've stopped and said, why don't we say it again and mean it? <laughs> I had a buddy who went to be a missionary in um, one of the African third world countries. And I rang him up. I said, hey, what have you learned since you've been there? He said, the first thing you learn here is when you say grace, you mean it. <laughs> You're not praying over KFC, mate. Although that would require also some hard praying. <laughs> Nothing like a good bucket of dirty bird. Righto. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again. Oh, I love that. Can I read that? At last he stood up again, returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from doing nothing. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Look at verse 47. But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the 12 disciples. He's the betrayer. He, he's the guy that went to the temple leaders and got a bit of cash um, to point Jesus out in the dark so they could arrest him. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. That was the pre-designed um, sign. The guy I say, g'day, mate, and give a kiss, he's the one you want to arrest. He's your man. Let's let John finish it. You're going to like the finish. Listen to this, John 18. So the crowd's coming. And this is what it says in verse 4. Jesus fully realised all that was going to happen, that was about to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. He stepped out to meet the... Who are you looking for? I always feel you should say that in a New York accent. Hey, yo, who are you looking for? <laughs> and know what they say in verse 5. They say, Jesus the Nazarene. They did not say, we're looking for the Messiah. You got it? You, you got, see, you got it? See, the Bible doesn't say read it. The Bible in John 8 says, know the truth. 
and that will set you free. Not read it, know it. So we're, we're taking time to study it here um, a little. So they said, we're looking for Jesus the Nazarene. But have a look more importantly, what he said. He said, I'm he. He didn't correct them. He didn't say, I'll have you know I am the Messiah. Because he's in, he's at the soccer Saturday morning, friend. He's not on the cruise boat. He's Jesus, but he's Jesus, the guy from Nazareth. He's Jesus walking through human trial to give us a hope that you can get through human trial and give us keys. All right. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing there. Look, he, look at verse 6. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. I love this. So, so he went and he asked them again, who are you looking for? But you've got to get it. See, the first time he said, uh, uh, who are you looking for? They said, we're looking for Jesus. Yeah, that's me. So the second time it's like, oh, excuse me, boys, uh, who'd, who'd you say you're looking for? I'll tell you what. He prayed. Something happened. So now they're prostrate on the ground. And they said, well, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, but we might have got it a little mistake and he could be from somewhere else as well. I reckon he is. But he's, high, he's holding it back. He could call a thousand angels, but he's holding it back. I tell you what, I'm feeling more confident about the God I serve, even reading this scripture. The good God, the power, the power you have with heaven is unbelievable. You, see, you can have all that money behind the wall at the bank, but you need the key. Yeah, you, you need what you need to put in the wall. Well, the key to access all of that power is the power of prayer. So we need to know what happens when you pray. Look at verse 8. I told you that I'm he, Jesus said. And he, let's close it off with John. He says, and since I'm the one you want, let these others go. So what we have, we have a guy who's confused, filled with grief, trying to sidestep the very reason he was put on the planet. That tries to get a few friends to support him. But he prayed. Now he says, hey, you, you looking for me? You got the one you want. Let these guys go. You got no quarrel with these people. Something happened. So we'll, let's five things. You'll find a hundred if if you read this all week. You'll find a hundred, but I'll just give you five. Here's the first. When I pray, if I say I, it just doesn't put the pressure on you. When I pray, the first thing I notice happened with Jesus is we accept God's will over ours. Don't put your hand up, but I wonder how opinionated you are. Like, I'm opinionated. i got seven sisters and four brothers. You know, one of those old-fashioned families where it's only one mum and dad. And, uh, and I understand how life works, but for us, it was one... You know, my dad left as soon as he gave mum the troll child, he left. So mum had 11 kids at home when my dad left. So, whew... Uh, but uh, I'm opinionated. I don't have to know a lot about the subject. I'm still going to tell you my opinion. And that's okay. 
that's okay. That makes for healthy, robust discussion. And, and often ends, you start, you know, in the shallow, but you end up in the deep and answers can come. But the trouble is, when we're dealing with spiritual matters, you've got to surrender your opinion somewhere. I'm going to be a little bit blunt here, but this may get someone's opinion. I've had the odd guy in my pastoring, over 30 years pastoring, um, like senior pastor of a church, I've had the odd guy come and tell me that he's going to get a mistress. And he's even told me all the justification for why. And it sounds brilliant. And you know what I've learned to say? Knock yourself out. Do it. But just before you do it, why don't you go pray about that? If you go and pray about that, you connect with God on a genuine level and you come back here and tell me, God said it's okay. Well, who am I? Because Jesus went in and said, I don't want to do this, but there's bigger fish to fry than just what I think. What do you think? When the first year I was pastoring, I was 30. What did I know? Nothing. And uh, I feel sorry for those people to this very day. But at the end of the year, at Christmas time, the board, you know, the eldership, they gave me a card. And in the card, because I'm a big family guy, you, you, before you read it, you shake it. And out flooded a check. You know, we don't have checks now, but a check flooded. And I thought, woo! And I turned it over, and am I right? It said $1,000. I'm a big family guy. I had never seen $1,000 in one place at one time that had my name on it. This is 1990. I'd seen more money than that, but not with my name on it. And then I read it. It said, oh, we, we, it was an encouragement award, you know. Uh, we didn't want you to know you're doing a good job, we think, but we just thought we'd uh, encourage you. Happy Christmas. And I put it in my pocket and all of a sudden, as soon as I got it in there, I just felt that little voice inside say, give it back. No. No. You know. And you, you say it's the devil, but the devil never tells you to give money to the church, does he? <laughs> and I'm thinking, flip, mate. Do you ever have these talks with God? It's all right for you, mate. You've got a cattle on a thousand hills. You've got streets of gold. Get your flipping mitts off my thousand bucks. Give your own stuff away. Now you would never, ever get that out here. But it's going on in there, isn't it? I think, what the cheek of him. My kids have been licking coloured pictures of bicycles. I never haven't got to buy them one yet. But for the first time in my life, I can buy them presents. And now God wants me to go and give it back. So I said this to God. I'll tell you what we'll do. That's all inside. If Susie agrees, I'll give it back. Now, I've got a secret weapon in Susie because what you don't know yet she was born in Glasgow. Hello. Short arms, deep pockets. I have got myself a secret weapon. And I felt God say, yeah, right, eh? So I went home and I said, hello. She said, hello. I said, you'll never guess what happened today. 
the board of the church, the elders, gave me a card for us, us, you and me, so it's ours, joint ownership. They gave us a thousand bucks. She says, oh, bargoom. <laughs> and I said, funny thing happened though. I felt like this little voice inside and I just felt like maybe I should give it back, you know, but <laughs> and uh, I know what she's going to say. No, it's not how you make pottage, <laughs> whatever. To my horror, I heard this. You should pray about it. No, no, no. You, come on, have you, has anyone here ever done anything that you know if you prayed about it, you wouldn't do. So you don't. <laughs> it's easy. Just don't pray. Do what you like. See, Mark 11 says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Not whatsoever things you desire when you're in the car yard. <laughs> like, you've got the young dad tells me, oh, man, I want to buy a Corvette. Well, pray about it. <laughs> okay. He always comes back with a minivan. <laughs> what happens? You get a Corvette one day, man, but right now, that's a dream, not a vision. Right now, we're talking about a Mazda CX-9. So I'm challenged, aren't I? I've got to go and pray about the thousand bucks. It'll be like ten grand today, I suppose. All right. Jesus said... Take this away from me. But I know how it works. I'm seeing here and there's here. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So and when you have your devotions, you got to go on and leave my job. That's okay. Lord, I want to leave my job. Boss is a moron. Can you remind me why you got me that job? We can take this right up to I'm going to leave my husband. And there are complicated things that can't all be dealt with from the pulpit on a Sunday morning. But have you prayed about it? Second thing, we've got to move quicker. The second thing I saw is when we pray, we invoke heaven's help. Now, look at Luke 22, verse 3. It says, then an angel appeared to him from heaven. What does the verse before it say? The verse before it says, not my will, yours be done. Then an angel appears. If you are not going to surrender your will to God, if you are not going to, look, I'm a Christian. I'm in Christ. So if I'm not going to submit my life to Christ, then it's good luck. I hope you got enough money to pull it off. But if you will submit your life to Christ, we call it 15 minutes in the chair, Pastor Dan. You know, your devotions. And so every morning I'm just trying to say, God, I'm Steve. I'm a stuff up if you leave me to my own devices. So I submit my life to you. Bang! I've got angels flying around everywhere. Somebody has submitted their life to Christ over this Miller situation to end up with a specialist nurse when they walked in the hospital. 
with specialist doctors when they boarded the helicopter. Somebody prayed and said, God, please. Not, right, oh, big guy, let's tell you how this is going to run, okay? You do this for me and I'll serve you. That's what heaven says to you. He hung on the cross once. He surrendered once. Now every day I come and I say, God, I reckon you see the big picture. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, have a look at 10.12. This is the angel Gabriel. Daniel's prayed. We haven't got time to go, but he is for three weeks. He has been praying, God, God. If you read it, it says, and I, I ask God to forgive any sins. You read it. I said, God, cleanse me. And then look at Daniel 10. I have come in answer to your prayer. And it goes and says, since the first day you prayed, I came. Now, the question is, well, why would you take three weeks? Because I've been fighting the prince of the power of Persia. She's pretty heavy duty up there, which is the reason I want help from heaven. All right, real quick. We had a guy in our church. He, he, he absconded. You know, he's got a good marriage, good lady. There's no other partner, but he's just out. He's had enough. He's gone. And we don't know where. No one knows where. Go forward a few weeks. I'm to assume that his wife got before God and said, God, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I could be better. I'm not suggesting it was her fault, by the way, but I'm just suggesting she's thrown it all before God. Go forward a few weeks, I go to New Zealand. Uh, why did I go there, hun? I just went there to pray. I went to have a few days. Um, a friend had a, a batch, they call it over there, in a place called Waihi Beach. If you're a Kiwi, you know there's nothing there. That's why you go there to pray. While I'm there, I get a phone call from a friend of mine in Hamilton whose son has just died. His name's Dave Collins. And Dave says to me, hey, Steve, I heard you in the country. I said, yeah, Dave, how are you, how are you and Suzanne doing, mate? He said, mate, could we have a coffee? What's the answer to that question? Yeah. Uh, I said, where are you? He says, well, I, I'm in Hamilton. I said, well, I'm in Waiheke Beach. He said, well, why don't we meet in Matamata? And uh, I said, okay, where's that? He said, well, it's about halfway here. To go to Matamata from Waihi Beach, you've got to go back through Pairoa and round this way. Or you can go this way through Tauranga and back up to Matamata. Both about the same distance. One had squiggly lines and I'm in a V8. So I thought, I like that way better. It's the only reason I chose it, I think. Now, don't forget what we're doing. We, we've got a... In the background, I'm not thinking about it, but there's a, there's a man we can't find. So I shoot off through Tauranga. I'm hooking. And so I get just out of Tauranga and the needle's near empty. So I need gas, I need petrol. I pass a couple of service stations, but I choose this one. There's how many bowsers? Eight, ten? I choose this one. I got out the car, um, having gone to Tauranga instead of Pyra, having gone to the Shell instead of the BP, the Caltex and the Matilda, and or whatever. <laughs> I, I've gone to pump four instead of eight, ten and twelve. I get out of the car and walk around because I don't even know what side the cap is on. So I've parked close to the Bowser. So I've got an each way bet. <laughs> Just a little lesson at the gas station. Uh, your car's 1,800 mils wide. The hose is three metres. It'll reach both sides. So you don't have to wait in the line. 
So I've parked close for an each way bet. I'm going round to find the cap. And when I get round, I find that my feet are against another pair of feet. I didn't know this is the only petrol station in the world other than New Jersey where someone's going to pump my gas. It's not even self-serve. So I meet this guy's feet while I'm looking for the cap and I went, and it's the bloke from our church. His name's Chris. I said, g'day, Chris. I bet you think this is a coincidence. <laughs> Last count, there's like eight billion of us on the planet. You can go anywhere and no one has to know. This is before Facebook too, all this stuff. And yet somebody prayed. I'm assuming somebody said, God, I don't know what i got to do, but I, I surrender. And heaven help, Mama. You've got a situation going on right now. You've exhausted your money. You've, you've, you've wrung all your friends. Why don't you do? Why don't you just get some time and see if heaven might get involved? Because he knows. My mate John Morgan, I'm here to tell you, you know, every single time he preaches, we have to remember that his mama used to sit down there on a chair every single Saturday night waiting for him to come home drunk and just praying for him. God save my son. Heaven help. So we found Chris. What a coincidence. He surrendered and an angel turned up. And I'm telling you, they're all flying around there waiting to turn up for you. The third thing, we'll, we'll go quick. Here we go. When you pray, you go to the victory side of the challenge. Now, I've come back up here because I want to illustrate this. There are two sides of every challenge. There's the, there's the uh, oh, God, and uh, praise God. <laughs> Prayer takes you there before you're there. See, here's your challenge. When you pray, you go into the future. There's your challenge. Hey, look up here for a second. Everyone look here. That's your challenge. I don't know what it is. You lost your job. You got an estranged son. You haven't got enough money for the bills. That's your challenge. But when you pray, it takes you into the future. And now you see your present as your past. Now you're going to have to go back and marry this spiritual authority into the real world. But God gets you to see the victory of it. I tell you, my, my, my mate John Morgan I'm talking to, his mum, she'd be sitting there every Saturday night while Johnny's in a, he's a cook, a chef, and he's, he's gone amok. But she, he'd come home. And he turned the light on. And there's Thelma sitting in the lounge room. Thelma lives in heaven now. And uh, he says, hey, Thelma. He said, you're going to be a preacher, John. You're going to be a preacher. <laughs> Good on you, Thel. As he walked down the hallway on the way to bath in the toilet. Saturday night after Saturday night after Saturday night. But while she's waiting, listen, Mama, you've got to listen to this. I don't care where your husband, your son, your daughter, your cattle are. Thelma sat there and she poured her heart out to God. Heaven filled the room and she went to the victory side of the challenge. And so when Johnny walked through, she didn't see an 18-year-old drunkard. She saw a man in his call who was called to preach the gospel. Where's he preaching this weekend, Susie? 
Washington, D.C. He pastors a church in the world's office. His wife is called Dr. Anna Morgan, which is pretty good for a boy from Townsville to have a wife who's a doctor in Washington, D.C. And he stands up there every morning um, and heaven testifies that Thelma surrendered her life to God. All right. Heaven helped. She saw the victory. And now from heaven, she's hanging over the balconies with those other cloud of witnesses saying, Preacher Johnny! My mum still texts me. But Johnny's <laughs> yelling from heaven. All righty. One of these days, my mum will go to heaven. Praise God. And I'll be the sadder when she does. All right. Is that okay? Are we doing all right? Just a couple more. Two more. And we'll do them quick. The fourth thing is when you, when you pray, oh, oh, let me just say this, because you, I, I need to give you the verse. The verse here, um, it says here uh, in Matthew 26, it says, and at last he stood up again. See, see that's when you've hit the victory shot. See, he's still in the garden, isn't he? He hasn't gone to the cross yet, but he went in saying, could you come with me? And then it says, at last he stood up. And that's not physical. See, people, Pastor Dennis, say, well, how long should I pray? Until you can stand up. That's like, you exhaust English. People, I have Christians say, why should I speak in tongues? You are never as brave as you'll ever be as a Christian when you speak in tongues. I'll illustrate it in a humorous way. Now, you're praying in tongues Tuesday morning in your prayer meeting. That Sunday, you get to church and pastor says, you know, we're going to redecorate the building for the glory of God. We need five people to donate $5,000. And your heart goes, you should do that. You go, I'm not doing that. Then Holy Spirit says, well, that's funny. You told me Tuesday you'd love to. <laughs> And you say, when did I say that? <laughs> you, were t- you were sprouting off to God all the good things you want to do for him. You were having a board meeting without the flesh. That's what you were doing. You, you put it into the minutes. It's done. Slightly humorous, but incredibly theologically correct. Man, I tell you what, I'm 62, I'm not 19. You know, I'm, I'm not knocking 19-year-olds, but, you know, you, you, can, you may not have got the punch, the knockout punch by 19, but you haven't got the 62 without getting the knockout punch. You're still here because you learned how to stand. Well, rather, you're still here with victory because you've learned how to stand. So the fourth thing is when you pray, you overcome temptation. Just real simple. The people who didn't pray in the story, what did they do when the mob arrived? Shall we fight? <laughs> That's Peter. No, Peter's the guy, he gets the sword. Someone even says, in one of the, we brought swords. <laughs> what? To the prayer meeting? Where are we? Another guy, he gets grabbed. And so he says he's wearing only a linen ephod in Mark 14. And so he slips out of it. He must have shopped at Johnny Big. I shop at Johnny Big, but soon I'll be shopping at Johnny Bigger. (laughs) 
It says he slipped out of it and ran away naked. He gave up his $300 jacket because he was a coward. The only person who did not give in to temptation on that night was the guy who prayed. And I'm not talking temptation to drink. That could be it. Smoke and curse. But the temptation, like Jesus, to, to sidestep what he was on the planet for. Come on, sit in the chair tomorrow when you have your, your 15 minutes and say, God, I know why I'm on the planet. I mean, if I was Jared... I'd be saying that every... God, I know I'm on the planet. I'm shaping an entire destiny of young people. I know what others in my profession are exampling, but I stand as a God-man. Now, I know you can't do that in front of them, but you do it in, you do it in your place. I need heaven's help, God. I've got a system stacked against me. You're in business where everybody's, you know, writing receipts that are bogus and you want to stand uprightly. You, you're going to need to pray so that you don't give in to the shortcut and see God come through for you. You know, Pastor, we've got a lot of people serving their vision. If you will serve your vision, you'll always have an opportunity to shortcut your values. But if you will serve your values, your vision, though it tarry, it will come to pass. I know a lot of people that got that back to front. It's vision or nothing. Yeah, no, just don't give in to temptation. Serve your culture, serve your values, serve the word, serve the truth. Joshua, as for me and my house. And lastly... We've got to finish. I don't like this last one because I've got to admit to you, when I pray, 95% of what my goal for prayer was was that everything out there changed. God changed the government. God changed my neighbour. So, in the story... What changed? Jesus said, "If it's it, it, well, everything's possible for you, please change what's about to happen." What changed? He changed. You have no idea how good a version of you there is. And I'm not. I'm not trying to. You know, you, you are loved overwhelmingly by heaven. But in terms of your purpose and your potential, I have no idea that there's such a, a higher version of who I could be. Can I be honest with you? I had a fight with a guy in our church. We'll, we'll, we'll do the rubber meets the road. You've never done that, Pastor Dennis. I had a fight with a guy in our church. I pastored, this, I was in the same church 27 years, 17 years to pastor. So, you know, they get to know you either got to be aloof or have a fight along the way and sort it out. I'm talking to this guy and he says to me, look, I don't think you've got anything to teach me, mate. And, and I was offended. So I said to him, I've got nothing to teach you, nothing. He said, no. Nah. I said, you are an 
latter imbecile. He said, thank you, Pastor. <laughs> he did not. And we parted. Because I figured, look, he had tiny kids. I had teenagers that were all serving in leadership across the church. I thought, okay, my preaching might be, you know, nothing. But if you can look at me and not see there's something that I could learn from and how to get my kids to follow Christ or, you know, pay your home off early, whatever, you're an imbecile. So I'm praying one day. Lord, Steve here, you know I'm a stuff up without you, so you've got to help me. Your will, not mine, you know. And then an angel turned up. You need to put it right with Bill. I said, get stuffed. <laughs> You're allowed to say that in your prayer room. Not in the pulpit, but I'm in my prayer room right now. I said, knock it. <laughs> I'm not even wrong. He's an imbecile. And God didn't answer that, so I'm, whether he was or wasn't, wasn't the issue. There's a verse in Matthew 5 and it says this. When you bring your, so we all know this verse. When you bring your gift to the altar and you realise that you have something against somebody. That's how we all quote it, but if you read it, it doesn't say that. It says you realise somebody has something against you. And all of a sudden, I was confronted with this. I thought I, thought I didn't have a problem because I'd moved on. And now, am I my brother's keeper? And it's like God's saying, Yes. I asked God, why should I deal with it when I don't have the problem? And it's in the verse. He said, because you're at the altar. I can work with someone at the altar. So I remember going and buying a $250 golf putter and I could ill afford $250 in those days. I bought an Odyssey two-ball golf putter, the number one PGA putter at the time. And he was playing off 12, so it was his thing. I went and knocked on his door. He came to the door and said, oh, good oak. You know, he, he wasn't rude. You know, we were mature enough to be civilised. He said, good oak. I said, good Bill. It's not his name. I said, good Bill. I've been thinking about you. He said, oh, that's nice. I thought, oh, you wouldn't think it's nice if I could tell you what I was thinking. <laughs> I said, but anyway, why think when you can do? I said, I bought you a gift, mate. And I gave him a present. And do you know, I, if I could... I, I, almost tell you his real name but I don't have a hassle but I want to protect him we are friends we are friends and yet God didn't change him God didn't ask me to address anything in him to change him all it was was a bloke a simple bloke who went to pray and said God not my will yours be done the unseen hosts whispered something in my ear and we call it conviction or a prompting you know I suddenly saw the victory side of it I didn't want to do it, but I had to overcome the temptation. And I changed. And just so you know, because someone will always ask me afterwards, I did give the $1,000 back too. <laughs> because Mrs. said, you should pray about that. And I did. There's such a surprise for you when you go to prayer. From this day forward with these keys there's such a, a a knowing you know to get from here to here you need steps with a ladder well you now got steps to to go from here to let's pray heavenly father what a phenomenal group of people that we've 
being able to worship you together and share the word together. I pray, Lord, let the preacher be the first partaker of the sermon. But I pray, Lord God, for each one. I pray, Lord, when I'm, I, I don't have to be a, a prophet to know that we've got challenge in this building. And we can do everything humanly, but then there's still a gulf. And that's where we, we need to see heaven step in. And I pray, Lord God, things that men or humans say, impossible, Lord God, you can do. You can find someone on the planet. Lord, you can raise someone from the dead. Lord, we pray for Miller again right now. We ask, Lord God, in this moment of faith that you would heal her body in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, you would infuse her parents with the sort of faith steel that sees victory in this. If, while, while heads about, if you're not right with God, I'd love to pray for you before I hand back. And I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to do anything except look at me in about 30 seconds and raise your hand so I know, yep, I'm going to put you in this prayer. I'm not going to identify you. It's your moment with God. But just so you know you're acknowledged and I know who I'm praying for. If you're not right with God, maybe you've never, maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. But while heads are bowed, before I hand back, would you look at me, simply raise your hand, and if I see it, I'll say, put it down, and I will pray for you in this prayer. You say, I've never given my heart to Jesus, or I'm away from God, I need to come back. Just look at me, raise your hand, say, Steve, come on, put me in this prayer. I need God. God bless you, sir. I'll pray for you. Someone else, just look at me and just say, yeah, you've got to pray for me. You need to know Jesus, not the church. You need to know Jesus, not the songs. Is there someone else? And then I'll pray. Lord, I pray for my brother today and pray, Lord God, you would watch over his heart and this decision to lean in to all that God has for him. I pray forgiveness is his for the taking. Thank you, Lord God. Um, a new start is his for the taking as he expresses faith in what Jesus did to redeem us all. Thank you for it. And Lord, I pray for every person. Bless us as we um, go through the day and the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Dennis. Can we thank Pastor Steve for that? Um, Steve, we've always enjoyed your ministry. We really have, but that was sensational today. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at passiveandchristianchurch.com.